if you're you're looking to build long-term meaningful relationships then then it's a much more important um conversation and something that both parties need to to figure out if you know we're a good fit for for each other and so Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. What's going on? Uh, not much. Fighting, fighting with the school district. Uh, what happened there? Um, they want me to like figure out how to get my kid to school today, and uh, it. I, I mean, I just don't know, man. Like we, we, I, I, we, we haven't had a snow day in probably sixteen years, and. Uh, they're not calling they're not calling one today except the rest of the state has but our school district hasn't but i'm gonna i officially called it a snow day i'm like you guys i am not going out in this the plows have not even dared enter our neighborhood it's not so much the snow uh, although it's hard to tell we got somewhere between 12 and 14 inches overnight um so you can you can imagine that's a good chunk of snow to deal with uh but it's the it's the wind it's it's you know 15 to 20 gusting to 30. And so there's places where we have drifts that are about three feet deep. And so it's just, uh, the wind is not good anyway. Well, we've been, we've been, I've been trying to like contact the school, but their phone lines are down. So that's just not a good sign either. They're getting overwhelmed (laughs) by people calling them or like the storm is so bad. Like it literally knocked out their phone lines. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, e- either one should be a sign for them. Like, let's just call off school today because yeah. it makes no sense because chances are half the teachers won't show up. It's, you know, it's crazy. And and we, we know how to handle snow, but it's it's crazy. I mean, so the governor tweeted out that all non-essential government employees should not try to get into work until after 12 today. Um, every mm-hmm. school district around us is canceled. The University of Utah closed their campus for the day. I'm like, what are we doing here? Anyway, so that's my morning. You have a very persistent um, school. That's exactly I what I was going to say. Um, where I went to college. So, I mean, I, I went to college, um, you know, in suburban Philadelphia, but the, the president of the school was from Buffalo, New York, where, so, I mean, he's used to the massive lake effect snow. So they're like, really, really, really don't expect snow days. Because, you know, he kind of goes off of what he's used to in Buffalo and, you know, not what we're used to here. And I mean, we're pretty good with handling snow, especially the the big snowstorms. But he's like, like, it's going to take more than a foot of snow for him to actually call off classes. Yeah. I get it. I went to I went to school at Utah State up in the northern part of, of Utah and I was there for six years and we had. We never had anything close to a snow day, except once. 
Um, but we had tons of snowstorms, big snowstorms. And I was like, you know, you guys can figure it out. You have, you know, put your chains on, put your car in four wheel drive. You'll get there and he'll be okay. But uh, we did have one snow day. We got, I think, 26 inches overnight and it was just way too much for anybody to handle. So it happens. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't had, it, it's been a while since we've had like a really, really, really big snowstorm where things pretty much shut down for, for a couple of days. Yeah, I think the latest. So, you know, Jen was saying that her kids were out of school for a couple of days. Um, was it last week? But it was more for just treacherous roads because of the the ice on the on the roadways. But I guess still technically a snow day. Yeah, um, because I mean, I, I totally get where she's at because, you know, where she's at, it makes absolutely no sense to acquire and maintain a fleet of plow trucks for that snowstorm you're going to get every three years. So, you know, a couple inches of snow, they, they, they call everything off. Yeah. Because I used to have family in Texas where it was the same thing. They'd get that freak snowstorm or freak ice storm and everything would shut down. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm sure it's complicated to shut things down as well. But at some point in time, you have to think about the safety of like the kids, like your teachers, you know, it, it's not like it used to be, uh, or maybe it didn't used to be like this, but in my mind, um, teachers like taught in their neighborhoods, you know, um, my, my mom was a teacher and she, you know, taught in a school just down the street from the house. And, and so that's always been the picture of my, in my mind, but I think that isn't really the case. I, you know, my kids, their teachers come from Salt Lake and other places where they have a, you know, 40 hour commute. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting. No, and I, I, I kind of have that, that same image too. And I think to a degree it, it, it's accurate in the past. Yeah. You, you know, the teachers came from the local neighborhood or like somewhere surrounding there. Whereas now, like my sister's a teacher and she's got a 30 minute commute. Uh, my wife's a teacher and she commutes into one of the schools in the city. Um, so you're n- they're not necessarily there. So yeah, they do have a, a crazy commute in. So you have the teachers that have a commute in. And it also feels like many of the schools now, they've kind of widened the radius, especially when you get into the middle schools and the high schools. There's a much wider radius. So you have kids coming from a bit further than maybe where you had 40 years ago. Yeah, it's a it's a changing dynamic for sure. And it's an interesting conversation just overall as you know, we we, we've kind of talked a lot about jobs and obviously we're we're pro remote and distributed teams, but it's it's a changing dynamic. You know, there was this set way that that people worked and it was very hyper local and and that's changing even even if you aren't working remote you know we see people having long commutes and moving jobs and at one point in time if you were a teacher in a school district or or a school you stayed at that school your entire career maybe you moved once but you know it, it it was your your career and that's what you stayed and it's just not the case there's so much fluidity in jobs and people moving around and um you know it it really stretches out the boundaries and so it's it's not the same easy decisions where you have everyone in this isolated community everyone's spread out you know and um i think i think businesses have to adapt school districts have to adapt um and and they're probably lagging a bit right now because they're they're basing things on policy of how things operated like probably 15 20 years ago and it's just it's no longer the same 
sorry to get us off derailed again. I'm, I'm the one that always derailed. No, 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 this. no, I was actually thinking, no, 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 it's fine. No. Um, because I actually think that was a good segue into the plan topic I, I had for, for today. Um, so you, you want to talk about changing and changes and sometimes when changes are needed, um, you know, as we're wrapping up, um, our, our episodes for the month of February, I want to talk about breakups. Um, so I'm the first to admit when I first got out of college, got that first job, um, I was a bit naive, uh, when it came to, to some things. Um, and you know, I, I thought, you know, going into that, 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 that first real job that it was good for the business to have as many clients as possible, no matter how they treated you. Um, I mean, you know, I, I soon came to, to learn that that was a flawed outlook. It maybe took a year or two in there, but, you know, I learned it was flawed. And, and, and at first it came as a bit of a shock when I started hearing people talking about the concept of firing a client. Um, and it's something I think people talk more and more about now, or at least it feels like that to me. Um, you know, there, there, are some, there are those clients that come into our lives and stay there for the long term and, and they're wonderful to work with. Um, and then... Uh, there are those that we realize at some point the business is better off without as the relationship is not healthy. It's, it, it's a toxic relationship. So to, to get us started, I'm going to pose a, a few questions and let's see where it goes. So when should you make the decision to break up with a client? Um, what should go into that decision? What are the things that you should consider? Um, what happens to an organization where... The money that comes in from the client, the money you collect from them, be uh, a monthly billing or whatnot, is the only deciding factor. If you know when when it comes to keeping a client, and one final one, it's a very obvious question, but yet one I don't think many people understand is why don't you want to keep every client possible? Yeah, and maybe maybe I'll start there, and I think it's 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 even a broader um, discussion and one that I don't know that lots of people really think about. But one of the most important things in my mind for a business is to understand who they're selling to and who their market is. And, and that may seem like a, a no brainer question. But if you if you go out and ask most people on the street, um, who's the nighttime talk show host that goes out and does the candid street interviews, and they're funny and silly, you know, if someone went out and like, went out into any city, with a, a camera and just grab 10 random people, I, I bet like eight to nine of those people would say, you know, everybody's your customer. You, you sell to as many people as you can. You know, that, that seems to be the common, commonly accepted approach is we, you know, we want to maximize how much that we can make as a, as a business. And in order to do that, we view the entire world as our customer. And that's simply not the case. Everybody, Every company, to some degree, has has sat down and thought through what what do our customers look like, and whether you're um, a high volume business like a Walmart um, or a very low volume, high luxury, you know, car brand that's selling million dollar cars. It, you you have a set marketplace that you're trying to to sell to, and one may inherently be larger than the other, but you're in your your intended market isn't the entire market. And um, it's it's really important to understand who you're selling to so you can target things properly. So I, I will just say that, that number one. And so once you have that understanding, I think that 
it becomes much, much easier, right? If you're a restaurant and you have a certain clientele or a certain way that you expect your your patrons to behave, it's really easy to kick someone out of your restaurant if they're not living up to your standards. Uh, if you're a services company like 33 Sticks and you have a certain clientele that you work with or a certain expectation for your clients, hopefully you figure that out in the sales process and you determine early on if there's a fit or not. But, you know, things change a lot over time. And if things change and that's no longer uh, a good fit, then it should be easy to kick them out of your restaurant and vice versa, right? The same should be true on the client side. You should know as a consumer who you're buying from and make sure that there's a proper fit there. And so we're, we obviously take the view from a, a services company, when should you break up with the client? When should you tell a prospect they're not a good fit? But honestly, it should be both ways. Um, a buyer should be very informed that they're not just buying a good, they're not just buying a service, they're buying it through a specific channel that needs to be aligned with with their values and how they want to think about things. So all too often, companies don't think that, or not, sorry, not companies, buyers don't think that way, right? They're looking at it more as a binary, is this product or is this service aligned with what I, I need from a delivery standpoint? Um, but buyers should have the same power. You know, they should be able to come to a 33 sticks. And in fact, I've worked with some that that do and say, hey, Jason, appreciate what you guys can do. We know that your outputs are high quality, but, you know, the size of your company doesn't fit with how we look at, at, buy, at, at buying services or you guys don't have enough revenue or we need someone fully on site. Um, and so, you know, it should go both ways. Sorry, I, I'm rambling. John, you, Jim, you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree it should go both ways. Uh, I think so often it, it's just that mentality where sometimes the, the buyer feels like the, you know, the, the services company kind of like needs the business and then takes advantage of it. And I think if you're a services company or a provider of any, you know, any, a seller of any kind of good, uh, and you're unfortunate enough position to not need that business to survive. Yeah. I think it's totally, I mean, it's a, it's a free market both ways. So I don't think you should feel obligated to, you know, just do something purely just for the business. Yeah. I mean, uh, a successful, business relationship, especially if it's one that is meant to be more long-term. So mostly in the case of services, as opposed to just a single transaction, uh, I think for that to be successful, it really needs to be a two-way kind of thing. At least that's the way we always think about yeah. um, our business relationships. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point around, around long-term. If you're just kind of expecting a one-time transaction, maybe it's a much different conversation. Um, but if you're you're looking to build long-term meaningful relationships, then then it's a much more important um, conversation and something that both parties need to to figure out if you know we're a good fit for for each other. And so, getting getting down into some of Jim's other questions, kind of the specifics of how we think about it, um, just as as companies, and and maybe I'll start there. So you know, as as we're in the sales process. And we're talking to potential clients. Uh, a lot of times, we'll get us aligned with their procurement team, and a lot of these major brands. So we work with very large, globally recognized brands. A lot of these brands have 
policies and procedures in place to reduce risk. So that that basically defines who their companies that they work with look like. Um, and oftentimes, gosh, I need to turn my phone off, sorry. Um, oftentimes that has to do with size and years in business and revenue and, and things like that that are they use to judge stability of companies that they're buying from. But we also have a set list and it may not be as rigid of that as that. But, you know, we look at, at things like how much of your budget are you willing to invest in people? Do we have a counterpart on on your side that's going to be an active participant in, in this engagement? Um, are you looking for a company that you can bring in and just assign a lot of tasks to? Or are you looking for a company to come in and, and truly be a partner with you? So, you know, these are some of the questions that I ask up front as we're, as we're talking with potential customers to see if, if they're a good fit. And if they're not, um, we've turned away our, our good share of, of potential business because of that. And uh, the hope is, is that long-term that that's better for us Um, that it creates an environment where our employees are happier. And honestly, it's better for the clients that we do take on because we take on the clients and that, that we can spend the, the appropriate amount of time with, and we're not being pulled unjustly in one area because we, we happen to bring on a client that, that wasn't a good fit. And, and I guess to go back to Jim's question of it's, it's February and we're talking about breakups. Sometimes that changes. Sometimes you bring on a client and it, it, it was either a, misunderstanding through the sales process and it was never a good fit. Um, but more often than not, it's things change. You know, you get new people in leadership positions, you have new constraints on a business and things change. And as a services company, you have to be willing to make those adjustments and not just hang on to it for hanging on to its sake. Um, I, again, I think we've proven out that it's best both for you as the company and for the client to to part ways if if there's not a mutual fit um, there where both of you are getting the appropriate value out of the relationship. Unless, of course, you've uh, cracked the the key to unlimited resources. I don't know if anybody has yet, but if they have, then that that would be the <laughs> exception. Yeah, the disclaimer there. See, you, you did it again. <clears throat> you you have this habit of like, as I start to queue up questions in my head, you you answer them before I can actually ask it. Because I was going to ask you to dig into the fit um, with it, but l- let's talk about that a bit more. Because you know, th- th- there's certain things like you're talking about um, as far as fit goes um, that, that that are kind of obvious. So with us being a fully remote uh, organization, you know, a, a prospect talking about. Um, you know, we need someone on site. You know, we need someone here four days a week, three days a week on site all the time. That, that That's kind of obvious. It's it's not a good fit. Um, some of the other things on the client side demands is like, you know, we need, you know, a client, uh, you know, a partner that's this big or something like that because it makes us feel more uh, comfortable. What are some more of the subtle things that maybe don't jump out as obvious uh, characteristics of a bad fit uh, that, that you've seen before things that maybe looking back, you didn't notice or just learnings um, over the years that, you know, now you recognize that sign, but maybe in the past it kind of flew under your radar because you're looking at maybe some of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the bigger things that, that, that are more visible. Man, you're putting me on the spot there. Um, I don't know. Um, there, there are definitely things that, that have, have come up. I think, I think 
culturally, um, there are there are things that early on I, I just didn't recognize. So um, it, it may seem obvious, but how much the company um, really appreciates analytics, you know, how how critical do they view it within their organization? Um, and, and that may seem like an easy question. You know, these are companies that are spending hundreds, if not millions of dollars um, on on SaaS service fees every year. Uh, you would think they'd be invested, but we, we've seen the opposite. Um, what we've seen where companies invested very heavily, but it didn't really matter. It wasn't a core part of their business. Um, but I think I think some of the, the bigger things that I've taken away that may not be uh, as obvious really, really are on the people side. And it, and it comes down to both the right people and, and their, their roles, especially as a services company, you know, our, our, our job isn't to come in and just own everything and, you know, push everyone out of the way and say, we're going to fix everything. Our, our role really is to come in and be a partner with people in the organizations. And so, you know, understanding the right people that we need is is critical. And, you know, the, the most obvious is, well, do we have a counterpart on the analytics side? But you, you know that as as we interact with so many different departments, having that infrastructure in place or having the the vision to build out that infrastructure is is hypercritical. So do, do we have a marketing department that is on board? Do we have a an engineering team, and this is one that has bit us really hard in the past. Do we have an engine engineering team that's on board? And by that, I mean, are they bought in and are they a partner with the, the team that is bringing us in? Um, because we've seen where that hasn't been the case. We didn't identify that early enough. And, and it ended up being uh, pretty catastrophic for everybody, where when we got in there, we discovered that the engineering team really didn't care what the marketing and finance team wanted to do. They had their own vision. They were deploying their own analytics. There was no cohesion between the two teams. And it, it really was a battle for six plus months until we finally kind of mutually said, this isn't working. Um, and so, you know, really understanding beyond just the obvious, which is the the team that's hiring to bring you in, um, are the supporting teams that are critical for everyone's success on board. And if they're not, is that part of the scope of our engagement to help ensure they are on board? Now, like, you know, as you say, like, and again, I, I don't want this to just be pre-sales for existing clients. So, so for, for, from both sides of it, you know, as you've come to the realization at one point, because, you know, or for, for our organization, you're the one that delivers this message. Um, you know, when you've come to the realization that either a prospect or a, an existing client is no longer a good fit. You know, you deliver the message that, hey, we no longer, this is, you know, think of this as a good fit. You know, how often do you get the mutual, yep, I think it's time for us to break up. We're, we're, we're no longer um, a, a good match for each other. This, this relationship isn't working out. Or the, the other one where it's the, 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 the bad <laughs> breakup, the, the yelling, screaming. Like, I'm, I'm just curious. And again, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, since it's February, I am putting that, that kind of dating relationship slant on things like you've got the the good breakup where you both kind of agree like yeah i've been thinking that too i think it's both better we both go our separate ways but then the other one where the, the one where one fights the other over, over the yeah i mean unfortunately i think it's it's more of the latter um but but not to the to the yelling and screaming but it really is more kind of more emotional and and typically um 
it, it, it just, I guess the right term is it catches them off guard and not that it's done in a sneaky or, or deliberate way to harm. Um, but is, is just not the accepted norm. Um, again, I think if, if you interview most people, random people on the street, they're going to say that everybody wants to sell to everybody. And so the fact that a company would be willing to say, you know what, we're, we're no longer a good fit for each other. We no longer want to take your, you know, your money that often shocks people. And, and the reaction unfortunately isn't, okay, let's think through this in a logical way to understand why this is the right move for us. It's, it's kind of hurt. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a hit on your ego. And so I've, I've either been met with either complete silence um, because they don't know how to respond or I met with kind of a, a backhanded, yeah, you know, you, you guys weren't good enough for us anyway. Right. Um, that usually tends to happen more in the pre-sales process. Uh, we, you know, once, once we've had clients and they understand the mutual value, I think that if not for the whole company, there's always a key stakeholder that is like, man, we really appreciate what you guys have done. In fact, you know, I think back through the clients that we've kind of parted ways with over the years, we've always had one or two people that were, were really, really heartbroken by that. Or, you know, we're really our advocate. In fact, I heard from one that we it wasn't really even a direct contact that this client we worked with was, you know, kind of down the chain a bit and we crossed paths with. And he, he sent me a random message on LinkedIn and just said, Hey, I want to tell you guys, I appreciate the way you guys do business. And I saw how you, you worked when you were engaged with us and it's the right thing to do. Keep doing it. You know, and those little things are like, really reassuring that that we're we're making decisions that are right for for us and right and right for for our clients but to, to again to answer your question i think it's it's more the latter that it's it's unexpected and 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 they're hurt and it's more just a personal ego thing because they're not expecting you know that to to happen and a lot of the is these the you know these are big brands and they've they don't get told no a lot right they're they they are usually in a position to dictate the the terms of a relationship because companies want to be associated with hot brand x or globally recognized brand y so it's very rare that someone breaks up with them or someone tells them no so you know they just honestly don't know how to react to that yeah you, you made me think of something when uh you, you talk about like the ego and not being told no um there was a client that I wouldn't say we had a shaky relationship with, um, but at, at times I think very, very early on, we, you know, I think we felt a little taken for granted. And it, again, you know, the whole um, analogy of a relationship, I'm like, you know, they're, they're, they're massive. So I said, you know, think back to, to high school. There was always that, 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 that star athlete, whether it was a quarterback or, or, you know, basketball player, you know, we, we've all gone to high school with this guy where, you know, the, the, the girls are just fawning all over him. So he takes them for granted until that one girl comes along that tells him, no, you know, you, you're not worth my time. And then she becomes his sole focus. I mean, they, they've written movies about this. And I, I remember when it wasn't, this kind of goes back to, to a previous conversation where we were talking about tough love. Um, but it was like, you know, let, let's make known that, you know, while there's other partners, other vendors that will bend over backwards to, to have a relationship, you know, we, we have a little self-respect and don't want to be taken for granted. And um, 
it, it wasn't a mean, it wasn't a nasty conversation, but we kind of had that conversation. And uh, since then, the the relationship has, has blossomed and it, it couldn't be any better. And at this point, it is incredibly mutually beneficial for both of us. It's, uh, it's, uh, are you thinking about Samantha rejecting Jake Ryan in 16 Candles? I mean, he was so hung. He was, he was such yes. a heartthrob. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. There, there are so many I movie. Mean, <laughs> there are so many movie scripts set to that exact same scenario that you just described. Yeah, but but I mean, I think it's a very real life scenario because I in high school I remember you know the, 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 there was that guy and you know he he took every girl in, in the class for granted because they all wanted to be with him until that one comes along and she becomes his sole focus. So yes, it, the, it's very cliche, but it's also very, very real. No, it, it is. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great visual. Now I'm, now I'm having like 16 candles flashbacks mm-hmm. in my, in my head. And that, <laughs> that also, that also dates me. I, I have a friend that, um, that works at Adobe and I think he's like 10 years younger than me. And we have like a group of friends and he's like the youngest in the group. And we're, we're always talking about like movies like 16 candles and teen wolf and like all these like kind of cheesy eighties movies that were, you know, the, the movies of our day. And he's like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I'm like, Oh my God, we're so old. <laughs> so I'm sure like, I'm sure like 80% of the people listening to our podcast are like, what the hell is 16 candles? I'm like, Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> it is. Um, so to, to pivot the conversation a bit, because I, I, I want to bring John in on this one and get his perspective. I mean, at this point, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, just a lot of, again, the, the pre-sale process, determining a fit, and then when, when to end the relationship. But let's talk about situations. Like what actually happens within the organization when... It's begun. It's become to be realized that you know the relationship with the client is toxic. It's it's not good, and no one is willing to take that stand. Either have that heart to heart with the client to help turn around the relationship, or um, and, and not to say that the previous relationship I was just talking about was toxic. It never got to that that stage because I think we we address things pretty early. Um, but you know it, when you don't address things, they 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 eventually just build build build, and the relationship becomes toxic. But what happens to people within the organization when no one wants to kind of stand up and say, okay, this relationship either needs to be fixed or, or removed. So John, what are, what are your thoughts? Like what are experiences that you've had where, where, where that's happened? Hmm. I'm trying to, to think, I wonder why you singled me out. Do you, do you have a specific, <laughs> do you have a specific use case that you're thinking of? No, but I'm no, not, no, no, no. <laughs> I just, I, I just didn't want Jason and I monopolizing the time. I was oh, just yeah, trying no, to no think problem. of something that, <laughs> to bring you in on that, that, that was all no i don't have any specific examples yeah in mind. I, i'm trying to think really like i yeah i'm really put on the spot a little bit to be honest just because i can't think so, of the question a question a little bit because we're you know we're talking about um services companies and and clients and and vice versa but this i think this extends beyond you know we're we're talking about relationships that is really what it comes down to so you know whether it's whether it's between yeah. a services company and and a client or w- teams within an organization um when there's not a good fit it does create a toxic environment and and so to jim's question 
have there been examples in your past work history where you've seen that happen to one degree or another where a toxic environment has been created but no one stands up and addresses it what happens to um how do, how do people feel with that is it is it business as usual or does it truly impact um the emotional state of employees yeah it definitely impacts yes i i am thinking of of situations um toxic environments in 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 you know within corporate environments i and i think it impacts people in a variety of ways there's but I think the rarest way that, or the rarest uh, result, will be someone actually trying to really proactively fix it. In in my experience, I feel like there's some people that get very defensive and always kind of have a very like pissed off attitude when uh, you know when when they're exposed to toxic environments over a long time or toxic relationships at work, and kind of just get you know, very frustrated, very stressed. It's very, and, you know, a lot of times those people will uh, either eventually leave the organization or kind of just their productivity will, will drop a great deal. And it's, it's just a very bad situation. There's others that uh, I feel like will become very um, jaded in a sense. And, and, and I think in those cases, productivity drops as well so i mean i think and those those toxic relationships i think the the impact of them sometimes extends well beyond maybe the the two people or two groups that the you know that 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 uh that tension is between it kind of always has this um billowing effect in a much larger uh, radius and I think uh, people realize sometimes just even knowing that there's a toxic relationship in, in one group I think can have effects more widespread um, and I think that's I'm trying to think I'm trying to, to kind of relate that back to, to services as well but but uh, going back to just I think in order to try to fix something uh, I think, like, yeah, to Jim's point, you really need to try to have some sort of proactive communication if you want to make things better. Um, and in some cases, that definitely can can work. But I think there's other cases where I don't know. I I I don't know <laughs> even what the right answer is. But I I know I've struggled with that in the in the past too, where it's like almost yeah. the problem is unfixable, in a sense. Um, and I really don't know what to do to be honest like i i think there's there's ways you can kind of cope with the the problem or not make it worse but um i know like when i worked client side before i mean there were cases where there were some people i just avoided honestly too just because like i knew they were kind of toxic types of people and i just tried to you know uh, detour around yeah. them when possible. So I, I want to take a slightly different view of this because I, I think the words that we use to talk about this often um, color the conversation in a, in a very specific way. So we, you know, we, when we talk about this use, we, when we talk about this topic, we use words like toxic, you know, we use words like firing clients. And I, and I think it puts the conversation in this view that, these are like really bad things that are happening. These are bad people, you know, bad stuff is happening. And while that does happen 
and is extremely unfortunate. I think most of the time it's just it's just not a good relationship fit. And that's that's the reality, right? Like from a business perspective, as I mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. businesses have certain ways that they do things and they're built to attract a certain set set of clients. As as people, we have our likes and dislikes. You know, we don't all like the same food. We don't all have the same taste in movies that we like. We're we're different. Right. And when you enter into a relationship, you have to understand if those things are going to be critical. Do they affect the relationship? So are we getting into a relationship where both sides are on such wide are on such extremes of the political spectrum, like there's no way they're ever going to get along, you know, that may be a deal breaker, or maybe they have some differences, but they're not that far off. And at least at the core, they agree on the same things, you know, that that really is at the heart of this, this conversation. And, and from a business standpoint, that's what I'm constantly trying to figure out. I know we all have differences, but are those differences outside of the core, do we at least agree on kind of this core set of values that we have overlap? If yes, we, we, we are going to work really, really well together and we're going to be able to use the differences we have to be even better. And, and the same for like an employee and an employer, right? As an employee, I should be thinking about those things when I'm interviewing for a job. You know, does this company, does this CEO, does this boss, do we all have the same core values that we agree on? And while we may have things around that are different, we have that core set of values that, 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 that we don't question. And, and again, just, I just don't think most people think about this. It's, you know, as, as most people think as a business, I'm trying to sell to everybody, which isn't true. Most people think, and, and maybe this shows that I'm disconnected, but I think most people think I just have to get a job to get a job. Like, no, you, you have power as an employee. You should be picking the job that's, that's right for you. And part of that is, does this company's core set of values align with my core set of values? And that's something that I don't think most employees ask. And unfortunately what happens when there is a mismatch, they get into the job, and, and they're miserable. And again, not because their employer is evil or doing bad things. It's just at, a, at the core, they, they disagree. And to them, that creates a toxic environment. Whereas to another employee, it may not be toxic. And when that is created, you end up in a scenario where people are miserable. They have a lot of stress and anxiety about doing their job. Their performance suffers. Um, and, you know, we see that from a services side. And, and you know, the last thing that I want to do is create a scenario where our employees are, are anxious and, you know, nervous and depressed about doing their job. That should never happen. And if our productivity drops, it's going to affect the client. And so I think it's fair and to have that that open conversation. But again, I, I, I think pulling it back from some of those words of toxic and firing the client that that kind of jade the conversation in one direction, it's it's really less about that. Um, I, I honestly can't think of a situation at 336. Now it's happened in the past where we've just had a client that has abused our employees and we fired them because of that. That's never been the case at, at 336. It's just been more a difference of at 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 the core we don't have alignment of our core values and, and that's okay. And, and in fact, it's healthy to have that discovery and, and come to that conclusion that we're just not a good match. And there's lots of matches out there. You need to find someone where your core values align. Yeah. And that, that's a really good distinction. I also like you talking about the, the whole, like as an employee seeking out a company that, that you align with, not just taking the first job that comes along and, at some point, I'd really like to dig into that one, too. I'm going to note that down as a future episode, just because um, 
and again to just like the the last conversation get a little meta at the moment um you know i think a lot of people live in like have a view that uh, uh, live in a world of scarcity that they view that i just i need to get what i can get because that's the only thing out there um, so they'll take the first job that's offered to them because they're, they're, they think that's the only thing that they can get. And I think that may even extend into the business side of things. If you have a leader that, that, that feels like this is the only business out there, I can't be picky. I'll just take what comes along. Yeah. And, and again, I think that really is at the core of our conversations. And, and, and I'm often in these, these podcasts where we're taking a very, um, centric view of as far as our experience of building and running a services company, which I, I hope is very helpful to people that we're willing to be open and transparent in, in how we operate. Um, I'm always trying to draw parallels to, well, how does this impact someone that isn't running or working in a services company? How does this impact an employee of a company or, or someone that works in another industry or space? And so I, I always think that we can take the learnings that that we have and things, you know, mistakes that we've made and, and apply it specifically in this space. So if you're starting your own services company or you're working as a consultant that hopefully we're sharing things that can be helpful to you. But I think that they're generic enough that we can expand it to the employee that hopefully, you know, probably the vast majority of our listeners are, you know, aren't running a services company, aren't working in services. So I want to make sure we're not, you know, leaving them out of the conversation because I think that there's a lot that they can take away from from our experiences here and apply to to their view as an employee, as a manager, as a as a as a leader. So I think we we've done a, you know, a really good job uh, really di- dissecting this, and I, I think at some point we we've you know we we really did get to to the root of it. Um, so I guess like any final thoughts to wrap up? Um, I'm trying to think of like anything specific around that because I know we try to take like a look at it and try to you know come up with something concrete or actionable for for those listening. But um, any kind of final thoughts as we start to wrap up? I mean, I would just echo what what I just said that, um, you know, regardless of your role and, and where you work, that it's it's important to build relationships, uh, especially where you're investing so much time um, at, at work. So if you're a services company, if you're if you work in sales and you have the autonomy to hand select the clients that are the best fit for your company. If you're an employee, if you're a prospective employee and you're currently out there looking for your next opportunity, I, I would just strongly advise that from from our experience, it's it's proven that you can be highly successful and and more importantly, extremely happy and fulfilled while while doing that by by aligning your core values with the people that that you're going to be spending your your most time with. So. Um, that that would be my takeaway is is really take time up front in the sales process, in the interviewing process, what have you to understand at the core what the people you're going to be working with, what their core values are and make some decisions if they align with yours. And if there's things that are outside of that, are they things that can enhance the relationship? Or are they things that are going to take away from the relationship? And it should hopefully make your decisions a lot easier. Yep. Very well said. Um, and, and to, to add on to that, to take like the, the employee perspective, you know, if you're at a job and 
you're working with a particular client that you start to feel like the relationship is starting to go a bit sideways, um, work, work, work with your boss to, to, to bring those concerns to the forefront. Um, don't just take a passive role in it saying, well, this is the client I'm assigned and there's nothing I can do about it. Definitely make that, that known, um, th that you're seeing that. So this way it, it could be corrected before the relationship becomes seriously damaged or, 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 or give the feedback that, that this, you know, that this client really is just not a good fit. Um, and then to that too, you know, seek out a boss that is, you know, open to that kind of feedback that they want to hear how the relationship is going. And then, you know, it's mutually beneficial for, for both. Well said. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also what was already said, but just when you're starting new relationships or, um, in any, in any capacity, it's really just remembering that, uh, to take that like a longer term view and kind of go beyond the short term where there's just, you know, it's not just about short term revenue or, you know, that your, your initial paycheck, it's, 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 it's for it to be successful. It needs to be two ways and it needs to, uh, yeah, you know, you have to have those shared values that we talked about or, um, uh, you know, shared vision or something, but it just needs to, you need to have something that you can mutually build upon to, to, to be most successful, I think. Yeah, I, I think you hit on the right word. It needs to be a relationship, and relationships are two-sided. Yeah. Yep, I love that. Yeah, so do I. So I think with that, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up for now. Um, really enjoyed this one, and definitely liked uh, trying to, to apply the analogies to, to, to make a, uh, you know, have, have a really fun conversation. But uh, so I guess we'll, we'll wrap up for now. We'll talk to everybody later, and uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. Good conversation. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.